culture is like an extra coach. You know, culture coaches when coaches aren't around. The culture coaches when the kids go home in their apartments and they're talking to each other. You know, the culture coaches when, they, when they're having lunch on campus. The culture coaches when they're making a decision of what they're going to do on Friday night. That's when the culture becomes the most important coach. Hey, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve your source for the most up-to-date baseball coaching strategies for player and coaching development. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner. Today we have on the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley hitting coach, Cody Atkinson. Cody, who is in his first year at UTRGV, is a rising star in the college coaching world. On today's show, he takes us through the new culture that they are building there, and he runs us through all of the innovative hitting stuff they do in practice. I know you're going to get a lot out of this one with Coach Cody. Atkinson. Cody Atkinson, thank you for being on Ahead of the Curve. Excited to be on. Let's go. So tell our listeners uh, about your baseball background and how you got into coaching. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a coach's son, uh, and so it was all because of my dad. Shoot, my, dad is, my dad's the greatest man I've ever known, and I don't think that'll ever change. He, he's been a coach for over 30 years. He's He's got to be, you know, one of the best hitting instructors, hitting coaches on the West Coast. He's he's in Seattle. He runs a program called Chapey Baseball uh, that has produced big leaguers Michael Conforto and um, Jake Lamb and 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 a bunch of guys that have come out of the Northwest to to play Major League Baseball. So I I grew up. I was super lucky. Of I grew up having Atkinson Baseball Academy my whole life. <laughs> so I had an indoor facility always and. I was able to go in there whenever I wanted. And uh, it's funny because I, when I was growing up, I was around baseball so much that I actually ended up really loving football. And I, I played football. I played quarterback. I ended up playing Division three football my freshman year, even though I was a freshman year of college, even though I was a much better baseball player. And uh ended up saying, geez, I, I need to go try to do this D1 thing for baseball. So I ended up playing JUCO and then and then playing Division one Louisiana and, and uh you know, it was interesting for me of through playing, I always found myself coaching uh, when I was a player. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm definitely a better coach than I ever was a player. I could hit a little bit, but I always found myself trying to help my teammates and, and try to be a leader. Being a leader was a big deal for me. And I learned it mostly in high school football. When I was a senior in college, I, I'll never forget this. I, I played my very last game and I could have, I, there was a couple different things going on of, uh, the Australian professional league and some stuff, independent ball to try to keep playing. And, and then my, uh, my old Juco coach, Levi Lacey at Everett Community College called me and said, I, I want you to be our recruiting coordinator. I want you to run our offense. I want to offer you this job. And so I actually, the next weekend after I had finished playing, I was out recruiting. And so I started, there was no time in between. I went from playing to coaching college and, and I knew right away that it was what I was meant to do, you know? And so that's how I got here today. It has, it has a lot to do with all the people that influenced me and, and kind of showed me that, gosh, this is, this is the best job in the world. So fast forward to where you are today and you're at UTRGV and you guys are the mm -hmm. Vaqueros but you mm -hmm. kind of got you you go by a nickname called the Valley Boys. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that and what does that mean to you guys? Yeah, you know, it's it's about the RGV, the Rio Grande Valley. Um we we play for them. The people down here work really hard. There's really really good people down here and it's a baseball region 
And um, they've been in a 31-year baseball drought and a 17-year winning season drought. And so for us, uh, we're here to get them out of that drought because the people we've met down here have been nothing but great to us. I mean, great. Anybody you meet. And they're hungry for uh, a good baseball team. You know, it was the, it was UTPA, it was University of Texas Pan American, and they were the Bronx, and, and, and it was a big deal when they changed the name, and, and now we're the Vaqueros, and, and we just wanted to make sure that the people down here knew, uh, we were playing for them. So we call ourselves the Valley Boys. We're, we're about the Valley. We're getting out on that field every single day, and sweating in this heat, and, and working hard, and doing all the extra things, so that when the, when the Valley comes to watch us play, they can be proud of us, regardless of, of win, loss, or draw, uh, when they come watch us, they know we're going to play harder than the other team. There's never going to be a team that plays harder than us because we're playing for them, playing for them to to have something to hold on to. The people down here, man, they I'll tell you what, I, I've been a lot of places, and I've never seen people that, that work so dang hard. And if we can just be a positive in their lives, that's that's the biggest thing for us. Well, and you guys have a completely new staff, if I'm correct, and you guys all came yeah. from West Virginia together? No, it was just me and Coach Matlock came from West Virginia. And so we were there together last year. Uh, coach Matlock was our pitching coach. He had been there five years and, and I was our volunteer. And, and then, uh, Coach Rayleigh came from University of Arkansas, Little Rock. He was there last year and, and he's been at Oklahoma and Texas Tech and, and Incarnate Ward played at Oklahoma. And then our, our volunteer here, our assistant coach, Coach Hassel, he, he, Derek Hassel, he came from UT Tyler. Uh, but he's spent time at, at TCU and Furman and Charleston Southern and, and, and he's been, he's been some, some good programs. And then my brother, my younger brother is our director of baseball operations. He, he came from working in youth baseball, uh, in the Seattle area for the Northwest Bandits. How easy is it or hard is it building the culture with a completely new staff? And it sounds like the, the program that you guys have taken over hasn't had a ton of success or at least the, the kind of success that you guys want. So tell us about how building the culture is around there. The first thing with culture is, is the kids buying in. And, and the thing for us was, you know, when, when Coach Matlock hired me, he said, listen, we're going to build this program off of loving our players. And I, I know that that sounds corny to some, but that's what we believe in. We love our players and we're building our program off of love for our players. And we're building our program off of our players knowing that we got their back. Hey, I got your back. No matter what, you can call me anytime. I got your back. I'm here for you. And in the hiring process, that's just what Coach Matlock did such a good job of. of he made sure that he surrounded himself with people that shared in his vision. Coach Rayleigh would do any, Coach Rayleigh would do anything for players. He, he loves coaching players. He's here for the kids. And so for, for all of us, it's, we're here for the boys. That's what we're here for. And so it's been easy, uh, because we all share in the same vision. I think it'd be a lot harder if if you did have someone. Uh, it, I, I think it's a lot easier um, with a completely new staff because in the hiring process, you can say to guys, hey, this is what I'm doing. Is this what you believe in too? And that's what we've come across is an environment where any person that's on our staff that our players interact with is a person that that player knows, hey, I know this guy cares for me. And that's so big. It's so big. I think that's one of the most underrated things in this whole thing is that kids need to know that you care about them. They have to know that. You can't hide it from them. I know every coach cares about their kids, but they need to know that. And 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 with us, we make sure, you know, Coach Matlock's big on, hey, call 
call the players at night, you know, two or three players each night, shoot them texts, you know, talk to them, have, have meetings with them just to talk about how they're doing, you know, make sure that we're going out of our way to, to make them know that we care. Because if I have a hitter that knows that I really care about him as a person, when I jump him in practice for doing something that I don't like, he goes, Oh, geez. Hey, I, I know Cody cares about me. So he's not just doing that because he, you know, and, and if, if you have a, if you have a situation where there's a kid that goes, he just hates me, you know, and then all of a sudden I, I jump on you in practice. The kid has an excuse right away. The kid goes, he's, he's only doing that because he hates me. He doesn't even hear what you're saying. He doesn't even hear what you're trying to teach him or what you're trying to get him to learn. All he thinks is, well, he just hates me. So he's jumping, jumping my, you know, jumping on me right now or getting on me. And so for us, that leads to all things, just care for our players, love for our players. And we believe in that process of continually letting our players know, hey, I love you, man. I'm here for you. It'll lead to winning ball games uh, because the environment, the environment at practice is one where the players, I, I believe, love coming here. Uh, you know, we got rained out one day and last week and one of the players looked at me and goes, coach, my, my day is just not as fun when we don't have practice. That's awesome. I said, well, that's a dang good thing to hear. Now it was a pitcher. So I have uh, nothing okay. to do with what he says, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that that would be reflected in our team. I really do. I, I think that you'd hear a lot from our team saying my day is just not as good when we don't have practice. I love coming to practice. And it's, you know, shoot, it, it has everything to do with Coach Matlock. It, it's, it's all him. It's him and his vision and, and what he believes in. And, and we're just, tr we're just here to help that. Well, and back to, you know, jumping the kids. If you do that all the time, they tune you out anyways. And they're just like, yeah. oh, that's, that's Coach Atkinson. He just, he yells all the yeah. time anyway. So it's, yeah, it's not yeah. as effective. I know that you can get the, always well, just in a bad mood. One thing that my, my dad taught me really on is he said, Hey, look, you, you can, you can be a little negative sometimes. You can get on a kid. But you gotta follow it up later on with a positive or you gotta follow it up with talking to that kid after practice and explaining to him in a calm manner what you're talking about and, and, and getting back with them. You can't just leave it at you, uh, you know, screaming at somebody. You, you always gotta come back to it later. Now you can let him sit on it or something for a little bit, but you gotta end up coming back to that kid and giving him a pat on the butt and saying, Hey, we good? Come on, man. I'm trying to help you. So that's what, that's what we do here. Oh, that's awesome. So I want to hear, and I know you like to talk. You mentioned that earlier. You love to talk baseball, <laughs> but I want to hear your best recruiting pitch. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. My, my best recruiting pitch is going to be, Hey, are you an OKG? Uh, and so it's something I learned from Chris Peterson, the, the football coach at Washington. He's, I think he's got to be one of the greatest coaches of all time. I, I, I sit there and I just look up his press conferences because um, I love seeing what he says. I try to get anything I can out of what he does. But uh, our thing here is, are you an OKG, which is our kind of guy? Are you our kind of guy? Um, and so for us, I in recruiting, I don't feel like I don't ever feel like I'm trying to sell you. I don't ever feel like I'm trying. I'm not. I'm a salesman or, or something like that. What we believe in here is, hey, I'm going to show you everything that we do, everything. Here's everything we do. And so we, we send recruits all the information on our program, all these documents and, and, and media and, and articles and, and, and all this stuff. And, and we let them look at it and, and we say, you know, we, we talk to them about what we believe in and our vision and our, our building a program off of love for our players and a development focus at a division one school. And, and we say, Hey, what we're going to get is I'm going to get the guys 
that are in on this whole thing. And the ones that aren't, I don't want to get. And so for us, it's more about the player coming to the understanding of that's, that's where I want to be right now. Committing to UTRGV is not a sexy commitment. It's not, no, and nobody could argue that it's not. But what it is, is it's a mature commitment. Um, it really is. Cause if you start to do some research and you look at the, the, the staff here and, and the development focus and what's going on with the hitting and the pitching and the, and everything, what, what's happening here? If you take a look at it, it's a very mature decision to say, you know what? I believe in what they're doing. I love, I love all the things they do. I want to be a part of that. That's what I want to be a part of. So for us, the best recruiting pitch is sharing our vision. This is the vision. And then this is what we do. And if you're in, that you're our kind of guy. And if you're not, I don't want you here. And that's the big deal. I, I've always believed that in recruiting. We believe that here in recruiting is if you're not in, we don't want you here then. I don't want a kid that's kind of, uh, I don't know. If, if it's not in your heart, don't come here, man. I don't, I don't care how good you are. Uh, we need kids that it's in their heart because whatever you, if, if you're, if it's in your heart and you believe in what we do, you've already bought in before you've ever stepped on campus. You're already bought in and we've accomplished buy-in from day one. We don't have to work towards that. But if we get a kid that's kind of ho-hum or, or kind of, ah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I should have gone somewhere bigger and better Then buy-in is going to be tough. And this kid might end up causing more problems off the field than he is on the field. Because what we believe here is that culture is like an extra coach. You know, culture coaches when coaches aren't around. The culture coaches when the kids go home in their apartments and they're talking to each other. You know, the culture coaches when they, when they're having lunch on campus, the culture coaches when they're making a decision of what they're going to do on Friday night. That's when the culture becomes the most important coach. And so culture has to do with the players more than the coaches has to do with what they create. Uh, and so for us, anybody that we recruit, has to be that kind of guy. It has to be. And so for me, we believe we're going to recruit personality and character before we're going to recruit skill. We, we think we can take anybody and make them better. We really do. And that might sound crazy. Uh, I know that that's going to go against a lot of, a lot of coaches have told me, Hey, just recruit the best players. That's how you win. It's all about having the best players. And I got you on that. I'm not going to argue against that, but you know what? We believe here that we can take kids that are bought in. And kids that are willing to put in the work, kids that are good kids, men of character that are going to do the right things, that are going to add to the cultures, not subtract from it. And we can take those kids and get them ready to beat other kids. And so anytime it's funny in, in recruiting, sometimes I'll, I'll have a call and I'll get off the phone and go, not our kind of guy. And that's it for us. Guy might be really, really, really good, but you just kind of go, mm, not our kind of guy. And, and we get away from that kid right away. It's, it's gotta be a kid that, that we know is our kind of guy. And when we fill up this place with nothing but OKGs, we're going to experience a lot of success. There's, there's no doubt about it. Well, that's awesome. I've never heard of that before. That's OKGs. I love it. It's all about OKGs, man. You know, that's what it's all about. And I like, I, I didn't make that up. That's a, that's a Chris Peterson thing at UW. And, uh, but I stole it for sure. <laughs> I stole, I stole that thing. Oh, the best coaches are the best thieves, I think. <laughs> that's, that's, that's such a good statement, and that's very, very, very true. So let's get into the practice segment. And one thing that I've noticed you guys do a ton of is the video, and you guys are putting it out awesome, mm-hmm. just constantly. And by the way, your video guy needs a raise because they are they're <laughs> unbelievable. 
but <laughs> let's uh let's start in the fall and you know what does a typical week look like for you guys yeah so we we just i mean we just had our first week of team practice we had individuals for about a month and what we're doing is uh there's a development focus here and so before before the kids even before the boys even got here on campus uh, Coach Matlock and myself and, and the, the rest of the staff got together and we made a master plan. If you if you go into Coach Matlock's office right now, there is a master plan of what we will be doing every single day from now until June. Every day. It was it was planned out of, and I'm talking not just we're going to practice that day, but what we're going to practice and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And so this is it for us. We, in individuals, it was bringing in kids in small groups and and working on fundamentals, working on uh, skills, uh, we have a uh, we have a ten week fall hitting development program where we work on what I believe are the ten absolutes in the swing. Um, and so, in, in the first week of individuals, we worked on pre launch rhythm and tempo uh, to start. Then we worked on sequence for a week, and then path for a week, and then push for a week. Push back is actually this week. Um, dynamic balance will be next week, and then direction, and then tilt, and then adjustability, and then recognition. And we work on each of those for a week. So, you know, we have a hitters group me and every Sunday I send the hitters, I blow up everybody's phones basically, but we talk about the skill of the week. Um, and so, you know, yesterday the skill of this week is pushback. And so we're talking about front leg. We're talking about front hip. We're talking about front side this week and what it does. And so I send the hitters a bunch of videos and I talk through the videos and, and, and then today we'll have a meeting with the hitters where we're going to talk about the drill work for the week. I, I don't like calling it drill work. I like calling it field work, but we're going to talk about field work and what we're going to be doing in the cages during our cage rotations and, and the skill for the week. And Coach Matlock does the same thing with pitchers, and Russell does the same thing with infielders, and Coach Hassel does the same thing with outfielders, and I do the same thing with catchers. And we kind of line out each week to have a focus. What we believe in here is having short, efficient practices where you come in, and you go as hard as you can for two to three hours, and then you leave. And that's about it. And what we believe in is we don't condition in practice because you shouldn't be able to condition in practice. You should be so tired from practicing um, the fast pace that we practice at. So what we'll do in practice, for instance, um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, our guys are going to get here. It'll go dynamic warm-up, uh, crossover symmetry, and then they'll throw. And then we'll go into a cage rotation for about 40 minutes with five different stations and and work through whatever it is that we're working on that week. After the cage rotation, we'll get into a base running 10-minute uh, talk for the day. Sometimes that'll be bunting. So it'll be something specific for small, uh, for short game. And from there, we'll get into individual defense. In our individual defense, each coach of a position has an A and B day. So I, I'm the catching coach. I have an A fundamental day and a B fundamental day. And we switch them off. Today's an A day. Today's a B day. Today's an A day. Today's a B day. Infielders have the same thing. Outfielders have the same thing. Pitchers have the same thing. So we'll go into a 25-minute individual period with your coach where you're working A or B fundies. After those fundies, we'll, we'll go into a team concept period uh, of whatever it is. I think today it's picks and rundown. You know, And so today we'll work a three-prong three pick with rundowns. For about 20 to 30 minutes, you know, some days that'll be bunts, some days that'll be cuts and relays, some days that'll be pop-up communication, whatever it is. Um, but we get it in, we get it quick, and then after that, we go into what's called group rotation. And group rotation's probably the most important thing that we do. It came from Coach Matlock. He he did it in high school. 
uh, he, he did it with TCU. He did it with Texas state. We did it at West Virginia. And, and, um, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen for practice. Uh, and so what you have is in group rotation, it's like a BP, BP scrimmage hybrid. But the coolest thing about it is you have, you have group one. Group one is the starting infield. So they know whoever's in group one at third, short, second, first, they're being told, I am the starter right now. That's my job. I, I've, I've won the job up to this point. Group two is starting outfielder and catcher. So you have the starting left fielder, center fielder, right fielder, and the starting catcher. Then they know I, I'm the starter right now. I've won this job up to this point. Group three is backup infield. Group four is backup outfield and catcher. Um, and what you have is uh, group four will hit live. We go four rounds of four. The fourth ball is a live ball. So we're playing live defense. Coach Matlock knows the number. I think it's 64 innings of baseball in an hour is what you'll get. At the end of each ball is a live ball. The first round, there's nobody on. Second round, there's a runner on first. Third round, runner on second. Fourth round is infield in, runner on third. And so our defense is out there playing live defense a lot. And they're all at their position. And we go through all the teams. It's a, it is a, you are going fast. Um, and we play as fast as we can. And so the BP guy will throw, you know, we'll, whatever rhythm we're in for our approach, late split or single, the BP guy will throw. And on the fourth ball, he'll stop and look back. He goes live baseball and then he'll throw. Hopefully on my end, we're hitting the ball over outfitters and we're running like hell. <laughs> um, but you end up getting a lot of defense in. You end up getting a lot of live base running in and you end up getting a lot of live hitting in. And so we do that at the end of every day for an hour and it goes fast uh, and it has feedback. So the biggest deal for us is, you know, we're going to move some guys around for group one and two today based off the scrimmages we just had. And when they show up, they're going to look at the board and go, hell yeah, there's going to be a guy that moves from out, you know, starting outfield to backup outfield and a guy that replaces him. Um, and so what Coach Matlock's big on, and I love this, is he says every single day, the kids know, the kids write the lineup. They know that it's not some secret. You know, you don't, you don't have to think, oh man, you know, does coach think I'm good? Hey, you know, you know, we're telling you daily, hey, you are winning this job right now. Or we're telling you daily, you're still, you're, you're not there yet. You're still backing this guy up. You got to beat one of these guys out. And so coach Matlock's big. I love it every time. He's like, hey, you guys in group three and four. Hey, let's go. Got to get into group one or two. You got to beat that guy out. You got to beat him out today. And, um, it's cool, man. It's, it's our way of having competition in practice. And what you end up seeing is everybody's pulling for everybody. And, uh, gosh, it's, it's awesome. I, I, I wish I could just show you it because explaining it sounds so complicated. It's basically playing as fast as you can for an hour. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch. I, I think, uh, I think it's going to be a big deal. It's going to, and the biggest thing about it more than, more than hitting. It's going to help our team play defense and run the bases so much because you do it so much live. You, you, you have a lot of, uh, you have a lot of live outs that are made. So let me ask you this. In group three, do they move from uh, group three to groups one and two during the day or is that like a complete, no. completely different day? So group, group yeah. one and two stay on defense the entire time. No, no. Okay. I got you. So what it is is group one is defense one, group two is defense two, group three is in the cages, group four is live. Um, after the first rotation, you're going to have group one move to defense two. They're on defense again. Group two is moving to the cages. Group three is going from the cages to live. And that live group that just hit is going to defense one. So it's a BP rotation. You're ha it's your way of having BP. 
but it's uh, it's live at the end. Uh, the last ball is always completely live. So there's no screens out there or anything like that. There's people playing baseball, um, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, everybody ends up playing defense for two rotations, having a cage rotation, and having a live rotation. Do you guys keep track of anything during this? Yeah, so we have a guy that's on defense, so we keep track of errors and web gems, and then we have a hard hit uh, and RBIs. So we we take a look at who's, you know, what we'll say at the at the end of practice, we'll call it, we'll say the hitter of the day, you know, and so I think uh, one of our guys, Andy Atwood, went 15 for 16 on hard hit balls and won the day last time. And, and so we'll say hitter of the day, Andy Atwood, defensive player of the day, will be the guy with the least amount of errors or the most web gems. And so at the end of the day, we have a chart that says how many balls you hit hard out of 16. And then it says how many errors you made, how many web gems you had, and how many RBIs you had. You know, and so you are in, in the, you know, shoot, in the first round, there's nobody on base. So the only way you're getting an RBI is hitting a homer. In the second round, you got to run around first. You got to hit an extra base hit. In the third round, you got to run around second. Um, you can score that guy with any hit. And in the fourth round, you got infield in, run around third. You can score that guy with with a ball to the outfield. So uh, we're taking a look at who's getting the job done with RBIs, who's getting the job done with hitting the ball hard, and then who's getting the job done on defense with errors and web gems. I love that. And anything that we can add to competition and practice, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. always looking for stuff like that. So that's awesome. Well, what's really cool is those guys end up coming in, the guys that always hit in the last couple of groups, like, what's the highest number for hard hit balls? Who's got it? What's the highest number? We'll be like, uh... You know, it's Mendoza. He's got 12, 12 out of 16. And they'll be like, all right, all right. And we'll, they'll go into the last. I mean, it's crazy. We have ended up on the last guy needing to hit that ball hard to win like three or four different times. And it's so cool. I mean, you're sitting there going, all right, you're at 13. You know, you're tied for the lead right now. You got to get, you got to hit this ball hard or, or, or you're tied and the guy will hit it hard or he won't or, or whatever. And, um, it's cool. They end up really competing. We we post it on their TV in the locker room every day. So this was the results from yesterday, and you can look up and see it. And and we do the same thing with scrimmages. You know, when, when we chart the scrimmages for QABs and and hard hit balls and all that, we we show them. Hey, this is what you got. This is who's leading. This is who's not. You know, it's a way of holding guys accountable to, to having success out there. And you know, you get to watch and see guys bounce back from bad days or or, or guys you know work on something and 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 it show. And stuff like that. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. And I think without the charts or anything, you know, really, what are you doing? There's, there's nothing to go off of. You're just out there. And so those charts end up being pretty important. And that's something when I was a young coach, I, I was just like, ah, oh, just, let's get out there and play. You know, and then I've really learned that those are really important uh, to have something to go off of for, for the boys. Uh, measurement equals motivation. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And, uh, yeah. So, That'll be our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday we scrimmage, and uh, and those scrimmages are fast as we can play. Uh, we want to try to be, we want to try to play as fast as we possibly can. Uh, we want the pace to be quick. Uh, we want in and out. We, we want good at bats. And you know, right now in our scrimmages, I'm telling them right behind them. I'm talking to them through their at bats, telling them what approach they're in. Um, we call them rhythms, but what rhythm they're in based off what count. That's going to stop pretty soon here. This is Coach Rayleigh's thing, and it was so cool. We have a chart during scrimmages where after you're at bat, you come back and you have to write down the count, what the pitch was, what the result was, and if it was a QAB or not, and then the rhythm that you were in. It's another way of 
of holding them accountable to having an idea of what's going on out there and being able to grow. You know, I, it was a O one slider that I rolled over on. It was not a QAB because I can't be rolling over in a one strike count. Um, I was in a split rhythm, you know, and so it's cool because I keep the same chart on me during scrimmages. And so we, we look at them side by side and I might go up to a guy and go, Hey, why didn't you give yourself a QAB on that at bat? He'll say, ah, this, this, and this. And I'll go, no, 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 man. That's good at bat. And be able to tell him you're too hard on yourself. Or hopefully not, hopefully this doesn't happen, but go up to a kid and go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Why did you give yourself a QAB there? That was not a quality at bat, man, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. So we're always development focus. I mean, that's the number one thing, just development focus, focus on development, um, getting better every single day. That's our biggest things. Well, let's take a step back from development on the field and talk about development off the field. Is there anything mm-hmm. that you guys do to promote uh, team or leadership building? Yeah, absolutely. Our team this week actually is is at the library. Gosh, I think there's five or six guys in front of the library right now. And and what we're di- what we're doing is we're trying to promote students getting uh, swabs done to determine bone marrow and blood type. And we're trying to. Our goal is to try to get every everyone on campus to get a swab done and a bone marrow because there's a company out there that goes through universities and and they find you know they try to get your your blood type your bone marrow and they they try to find a match and if there's someone that doesn't have a match that needs you know that needs a surgery or, or needs a needs something done in New York and the only match they find is down here at UTRGV this company will get the person at UTRGV and fly them to New York with a friend and pay for the whole trip and and have the surgery done. And so we're trying to promote that. You know, we we have our guys doing it all week this week. They're out in front of the library promoting, trying to get kids to come in and do it. They did a training for it yesterday. And and it's a cool thing of Coach Matlock said, hey, look, I know you guys are busy uh, because it's true. Co- college baseball players are of the busiest, you know, college athletes are of the busiest busiest people in, in the in the world to be honest they with their schedules and everything they have to do he said i know they're busy but what if we saved one life doing this what if we save someone's life you know how about that and so we're doing that this week and and moving forward we'll get involved with the boys and girls club and, and the youth and try to promote baseball uh within the community and um and they they did a really good job of that before we got here but it's a really big deal for us and it's a really big deal for our athletic director and our athletic department of being in the top, you know, 10% of division one schools in community service. Oh, I love that. And that's getting them out of their comfort zone a little bit yeah, to, uh, to, to be able to stay in it. Cause I'm sure not most of them have done anything like that before in their life. <laughs> yeah, no, none of them have done anything like that, but yeah, we're, we're doing it, but we're, you know, we're very aware of their time too. You know, I think sometimes there's stuff that's done where you're just like, dude, you know, it's sometimes they just need a day off and, and, and they need some time to be a kid and, and, you know, to just have some time off. And so, uh, we want to make sure that if we ever do something, we talk to the team about it. You know, I mean, coach Matlock, it's not a, Hey, you're doing this because I said so. It's a, Hey guys, we think we can really do something special here. What do you guys think? And, and kind of get them involved in the process of saying, yeah, let's do that. So I love your BP setup. Can you give us something else that's kind of innovative that you guys are doing as far as your hitting practices go? Yeah, um, you know, like I said, we we have the the 10-week program that we're doing to try to develop skills. We have a cage set up. 
that's uh we actually have a dry drill station in our cages we, we took about a half of a cage for dry drills and we have all this toys swing toys i call them there's a rolling mirror in there and so that's that's a big deal for us we have a hitting routine posted a video of it it's our daily routine so i think of the most innovative things that we do i, I know that there's other schools that do a good job of this too but our routine we live and die by the routine you know, we have we have med ball slams and med ball throws and PVC pipe uh, dry drills and we have overweight underweight bats and and we have a whole thing that takes about 15 minutes. That's part of our hitting routine that they do before practice. Um, and so I, I would say, gosh, I mean, if I want to get into hitting, there's a lot of stuff that we're doing, but the routine that's daily. Uh, the 10-week program that that focuses on 10 absolutes in the swings. And what we're focusing on in 10 absolutes is we're just trying to make that skill better in your swing. We're trying to improve it. We're not changing your swing. We don't clone people here. We don't cookie cut people. We we try to find your best swing. And so I think regardless of your style, everybody has style. Gosh, there's scissor kicks and there's leg kicks and there's there's you know there's opening of the front leg before you even land. There's all these things that guys ha- that guys have that that's their style. But at, outside of style points, outside of what you do individually, there are ten things we believe in that everybody has in their swing as a hitter. And so we try to develop those ten things. And um, the other thing is we we do we we believe in uh, hack attack machines. So for instance, right now. What we do is I, I built these platforms. We looked up the average pitch release of a big league pitch. And so, you know, when we looked up, it was about balls being released at about 54 feet away. It's being released at about six and a half feet high. And it's being released about two and a half feet offset right or left based off a of righty or a lefty. So what we did, I guess this might be a little bit innovative. It makes a lot of sense to us. But what we did was the, the machines that we have, the hack attack machines are four and a half feet high. So they're two feet lower than average pitch release. So if you're feeding those off the ground, you're feeding a ball that your players won't ever see. And so what we did was I, I built this platform, two platforms for the machines that are two feet up. So now we've raised the machine to six and a half feet up. So we've got the machine up six and a half feet. Now it's at the height of pitch release. And then we set the machines about 54 feet away. And so now we've got six and a half feet up and we're 54 feet away. And then we have a right-handed machine cage where the where the machine is set up two and a half feet to the right. And we also have a left-handed machine cage where the machine is set up two and a half feet to the left. And and we have those set up. So each machine is being released, ball is being released at the actual average release point of a big league pitch. And so now you are actually seeing flight of what you'll see. That's huge for us. That's huge. I mean, you think about how many, how many swings are those guys going to take off those machines? When you just start to think about that number, imagine if you took all those swings off of a off of flight that you're actually not going to see. Come on, come on, this that makes no sense to me. That'll never make sense to me. And so we built the platforms, put the machines up, and then the last part of it is we have auto feeders for these machines, where the ball is is pops out of an auto feeder and rolls down a ramp. The ball rolls down a ramp at about 1.5 seconds, and so you think, what's a pitcher usually pitch at? Yeah, probably one, three, one, maybe one, two on average. And so maybe it's a little bit extended. Um, but when someone's just feeding the machine for you, there's that guy's usually not very good at feeding consistently. And the problem with just feeding a machine with my hand is how quickly does the ball come out after I feed it really quickly? Uh, and so we not only developed a, 
uh, a ball flight that's realistic. We also developed a timing mechanism with the ramp. And so this is something I think is a must. I don't, I think that this is 100% must for all programs. You have to have this. And if you don't, you know, I, I think you should. Uh, and so we now have ball comes out of bucket or barrel, spins 1.5 seconds rolling down a ramp and it is shot out of a machine from 54 feet away, six and a half feet up and two and a half feet offset. So now we are able to take a machine and mimic to a T as best as we can what a live pitch is like for a hitter. That's huge. That's huge. Cause now if you're going to take, if you're going to take a thousand swings off that machine this year, you're taking a thousand swings off of the, the closest we could possibly get to a live pitch. You're not going to take a thousand swings off of something that's not even close. You're, you're not, you're not getting any better. So we use those two. Uh, those guys are, those guys are, Hey, you're hitting on those machines right now. I currently have the machine set at an 86 mile an hour right-handed slider and an 82 mile an hour left-handed slider. I told him, Hey, get on that, get on it and, and fight your balls off, <laughs> you know, just fight as hard as you can to compete. And our whole thing there is, this is what, what I say to him. I said, Hey, I don't care. Well, I don't care how well you hit that thing here in October. I don't care. All I care about is that you're taking the best swing you have consistently. You're not changing swing for pitch. A big kind of theme of our hitting is getting away from panic swings. Uh, no more, no panic in the swing. Do not panic. This is a tough pitch, but for me, this is what I say. Why, why, if I throw you an 84 mile an hour fastball down the middle and I throw you a 86 mile an hour slider right down the middle in the same location. So we've got two pitches, same location. Why do you take such a better swing to the fastball and such a worse swing to the slider when they're in the same location? The swing shouldn't change at all. The swing should change in, in no way. And so we're trying to get away from being affected by pitch. Don't let the pitch affect you. Don't let the pitch. Now, location is a different thing. Location, we have to use tilt or hip hinge, and we have to use release through windows side to side to get to pitches. Absolutely. But the swing won't change. And so our big thing in there, I sit there and I, I, I'm outside the cage saying, best swing, best swing, best swing, best swing. Just take the best swing. Just take your best swing. I don't care if you swing and miss every single time. Just take your best swing. Don't let your swing be affected by the pitch. And that, that might be a little bit innovative but that's gosh i'll tell you what it's big time it's big time because what you're going to see now is if you sit in there off an 86 mile an hour slider and you struggle and you take your best swing over and over and over and over again and then you get a little better a little better when you see that pitch in off of a live arm you're not going to panic i've seen this before I've, I've i've trained myself not to panic i've trained myself to catch the ball within the swing uh i'm not going to lunge i'm not going to drift i'm not going to i'm not going to reach I'm going to take my best swing to this pitch and guys get better over time. Oh, that's really, really good. And it sounds like you guys are prioritizing a lot of individual development within that team setting. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. Every single guy, I mean, shoot, even through like our skill of the week of what we're working on for hitters, every single guy has his own thing he's doing right now. You know, I, I try to get with every guy and say, hey, in that part of what we're doing this week, you do this. Or, hey, you need to keep doing this. There's some, you know, shoot, there's sometimes like this week we're working on pushback. Pushback's going to be big for our team. Uh, we got to get away from climbing front side and, and some stuff of, of causing top spin and stuff. But I, I'm going to get with some guys. There's some guys that need no work and pushback. And so we might go, hey, look, we're on, we're on pushback this week. But you know what? We're still working on path with you two weeks ago. So I want you to continue on the path progression. I want you to stay on that this week or whatever it is. And each individual is, is going through his things. Gosh, we've, 
we've given guys toe taps here. We've given guys scissor kicks. Um, you know, we've added leg kicks to guys. We've simplified guys. We've done everything you could. And, and it's all, it's not just us saying you have to do this. It's always us going, Hey man, what do you think about this? You know, what do you think about this? Why don't you try it? Hey, that's looking pretty good. You know, what do you feel? What do you feel? Uh, there was a guy that we got here, really good player starting. He started for this team last year. And, and I, I think the first day I said, why don't you try a leg, uh, a toe tap? And, uh, I was like, Hey, look, I, I want you to know, like, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. This is just me saying there's no rhythm in what you do. There's no timing mechanism. It's going to be hard for you to be on time with what you're doing currently. So why don't we just try a toe tap? And he tried hitting, uh, he hit pretty good. And then he, he tracked pens forever with it. And, uh, gosh, he's, he's hitting the crap out of the ball now and he loves it and he's not going to go away from it. And it was interesting because it was a thing that started where I said, why don't you just try this for a while to develop some rhythm, to develop a timing mechanism. And then you can go back to what you're doing so that there's some, there's a more of a timing mechanism to what you're doing. There's more time to adjust. There's more time to recognize. And after two weeks or so, I said, Hey, so what do you think? He goes, I'm not changing. I'm sticking with this toe tap. <laughs> so I said, hey, it's all good, man. So he ends up staying with it. And that's his decision. That's his decision. The, the biggest thing I think with guys is like, I remember when I had a leg kick my whole life. And I remember a certain college coach that took away my leg kick. And I was uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable doing that. I had never done it in my life. And I went, I went, gosh, man, like I'm uncomfortable up here. And whether he was right or wrong, I mean, shoot, he could have been right with what he was doing. You're taking a guy and you're making him uncomfortable. And that's just something that I'll never stand for. I will not ever take one of these hitters. We will not do this here. We will not ever take one of these hitters and make them do something. Even if if I'm sitting there and, and I go, gosh, he's got to do this. He just has to. But he's up at the plate uncomfortable every single at bat. That's just being uncomfortable at the plate. You're never going to succeed. It's not like you can be uncomfortable up there and, and hit a 92 mile hour fastball in the outside corner and drive it to right center. You just, you're not going to do that. And so for us, it's, uh, it's always a suggestion of, Hey, I really think you need to do this. And, and sometimes, sometimes it's like, Hey man, you got to fight through this feeling you have of being uncomfortable until it becomes comfortable. Just fight through it for a while here. And sometimes it's not. And you have to have a good read on that. You really do. Because there's going to be times where you're like, gosh, we just got to let it be. Or there's going to be other times where you talk to him and you go, man, I know it doesn't feel good right now. But gosh, I think I think it's one of those ones where you got to take 20 steps back to go 40 steps forwards. But the, the most important thing for me and my advice to all hitting coaches is that there is communication that's happening there where the kid knows what you're thinking and what you're expecting of him. And then you also know what he's thinking and he's feeling. I think the the number one thing I say in the cages more than anything I ever say, the number one phrase I say is, what does that feel like? <laughs> because that's way more important than anything else. What does that feel like? I got to get a feel. I got to get a feel for what you're feeling. Oh, that's really good. And a lot of times you ask that and they say, good. <laughs> so, uh -huh, right. so it's really uh -huh. having it. You're like, no, no. No, like explain to me in your own words what exactly that feels like. Absolutely. Can, can I ask you, was the kid that you helped with a double tap, was he a foot down early guy? Yes, really, really early, which which there's no issue there. Gosh, look at Paul Goldschmidt, who coached Matlock, coached at Texas State. And and look at Michael Brantley. I mean, shoot, Michael Brantley is one of my favorite hitters on the planet. He's, he's foot down early. There, there's no issue, but there has to be a timing mechanism. There has to be. And he was the guy that we're talking about here. He was... 
do is put down early and then stop mm-hmm. and wait. And that's, that's one that you can't have. There has to be, there has to be an adjustment period in there. There has to be ability to make late adjustments on the fly. There has to be ability to move with a pitch and to dance with the pitch a little bit. And, and that was something that he didn't have. And by no means am I like, Oh, you can't have your foot down early, but you have to have a timing mechanism. There has to be, there just has to be, there has to be ability to adjust. Pitchers are just too good at this level. So what we were trying to develop in him was just a feel for timing. That was it. Just a feel for adjustability. And we do, gosh, I do this drill where um, I stand about, or I sit in a chair about 30 feet away and I throw sitting in a chair and every once in a while I bounce the ball. And if you can't adjust to that, then you have no timing mechanism. Uh, you have to be able to adjust on the fly. Uh, we do a drill where I hold two balls and we're doing soft toss and I basically, if I feed the ball to my right hand, that's a fastball. If I feed the ball to my left hand, or sorry, left hand is fastball, right hand is curveball. And you have to be able to do that drill. If you can't do that drill, your swing is chalked up to one timing. That's what we're trying to get away from is uh, we can't have guys that are on one time because you're just out in this league. People have people have scouting reports. People know what you're doing. You have to be able to do both. And so we do a lot, you know, through our skills, we do a lot of adjustability work of swing takes and you know, I tell our guys, our guys, anytime they're feeding front toss to each other, they're allowed to hang a ball at any moment and they're allowed to hold a ball for a take at any moment. And you'll find that those two instances are the most important feels for front toss. So let's fast forward to the spring. So is there a change in focus regarding uh, what you do, what you guys do as far as swing work and hitting work? Yeah, absolutely. Now, now we're really, really focused on hitting pitchers. And that becomes all of our focus. Now, really, uh, you know, we, we spend eight weeks on real skills. You know, eight weeks is, you know, like I said, pre-launch rhythm and tempo for a week and then sequence for a week and then path for a week and then push for a week and then push back for a week and then dynamic balance for a week and then direction through windows for a week and then tilt or hip hinge for a week. Those eight weeks are really, you know, I hate using the word mechanics. I really do, but those are really swing mechanics. I call them swing skills. And then week nine and week 10 are adjustability and recognition. And those two weeks are going to be the entire spring. So we're going to stay within what we're doing. But what our hitting program changes to now is it becomes individual based work in the spring. It becomes you never stop working on things ever. But in the spring, it becomes, dude, we still got work to do on path. We're going to stick on that. But you need to be on the slider machines a lot. You know, you need to track pens a lot. You need to do these adjustability drills a lot. And so when we get to the spring, the soft toss work becomes the adjustability drill with two balls. The front toss work becomes the throw over the top with a bounce ball mixed in or a hang ball mixed in if you're feeding underneath or, or a take. The, the BP rounds become sometimes holding the ball um, and letting the guy feel what it was like to take uh, or, or his move forward. Uh, we get into a lot more fastball curveball BP or we'll go fastball, curveball, fastball, curveball, fastball, curveball. And then other days we'll go no pattern. You don't know what's coming. And it's a lot of tracking pens, man. It's a lot. I believe in tracking pens, but you gotta, you gotta be in there with a focus and, but you can teach things. And we, gosh, there's some really cool technology out there for pitch recognition. There's some really cool stuff. We don't have it here. And so what we're able to do is, is mix in feels. You just have to have a feel for timing. And so I'm going to put you in uncomfortable positions where I can bounce the ball at you and you have to adjust on the fly or I can feed the ball to my left or right hand and you got to adjust on the fly from soft toss. Or um, one thing that we do is I'll set up two machines 
like basically right next to each other where the release point of each machine is just just enough so that they can both be fed and I'll hold two balls and I'll drop them both down and I'll only let go of one and one of them is a slider one of them is a fastball and either ball could come out you don't know which ball is coming out but that'll be our entire focus in the spring uh is is hitting pitchers you know our our fall focus is hit hit how's the swing work let's make your swing let's develop your swing let's get you swinging as good as you can but and we do a lot of approach, but we never go away from approach. Um, gosh, we, we talk about late rhythm, split rhythm, single rhythm every day. It's our BP rounds and, but we will definitely get into a lot more. How am I going to have success when that dude standing over there on the mound is really, really good? That definitely makes a whole lot of sense, especially when you're competing in season. For me, especially, and I know that a lot of coaches do this as well. But for your pins that your your stand-in pins, what are you telling mm-hmm. your guys, and what are you having them focus on? And and I get a lot of well, how do I know that I'm on time? So yeah. do you mind explaining that to us? Yeah. So they're they're yes, 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 no in their minds, and then they're taking hitterish takes. So uh, we we talk about hitterish takes all the time. I want to see you take with the intent to swing. So big thing for us is you. What's the decision? And so I, I think that this is a huge thing in youth baseball it needs to be taught in youth baseball so much is what's the decision making process well you decide not to swing you don't decide to swing and that's a big theme for us is hey hey listen when you get up there you're not making the decision to swing you are making the decision not to swing so for our guys we tell them this you step into the box swinging at the pitch the moment you step into the box i'm swinging and so when we track pens, it's I'm swinging, I'm swinging, I'm swinging, I'm swinging, take. Or I'm swinging, I'm swinging, I'm swinging, swing. And what we do with them is yes, 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 no. I used to make hitters say this, but then they got embarrassed when they were wrong. So I just tell them, hey, in your head right now, in your head when you're tracking, sit in there and yes, 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 no. Or yes, 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 yes and say it in your head and work through it. And then I sit up on the on the side and, and I look at them moving and I go, you know, I'll say to them, were you on time? Absolutely, coach. I would have hit that ball so far. They like to say that. <laughs> but uh, I said, are, are you on time? No, shoot. I, I felt I was, you know, I was down early or I was stuck on backside or, or whatever it is. And it just gives them a feel for where they need to be and, and how they need to be. Well, that's awesome. I really like that a lot. So let's get into the advice section a little bit. This is one of my favorite ones just to to see what you're learning. So what's the latest thing learned that you're really excited about? I learn so much every single day. I mean, gosh, I just I could I could watch a MLB playoff game and and relearn the entire game, I feel like. But, you know, obviously I, I'm a hitting coach and, and I love hitting and um I talked to one of my best friends, Kurt Nelson, is a hitting coach in, in the Pacific Northwest and I talk to him daily and I think that of the most of the coolest things that I've learned most recently, um, I guess a couple of years ago I first learned about the scissor kick and 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 how elite guys in this game Trout, Cabrera, Arenado, Altuve, J.D. Martinez, Carlos Gonzalez. Gosh, I'm going to be missing some, but of the most elite guys in the game, they're they're scissor kicking with their back foot, and that was always a move. That was a move the first time I saw. I was like, what is this? You know, you kind of don't understand it and. Uh, we've actually thrown it on two guys here. Now, I, I, I mean that of, hey, we've, we've given two guys here a scissor kick out of 20 hitters. So it's not for everybody. 
but the scissor kick is a cool move that I'm pretty excited about. I like watching in film and, and I like describing, I like teaching. And then, and then independent elbows is a big time move that, um, I'm excited about. It's, it's something I've talked about for a long time, but it's, uh, it's the key to path being tight in the turn and, and something that shoot, I think is super important watching angles of, of elbows and barrel and how they relate and how they move through different phases of the swing and, and how it all goes is, is, is huge. And I think, you know, the, the biggest thing for me that, that I think I'm most excited about watching, uh, watching playoffs and, and watching new hitting videos is, is how hitters are working to get on time to, 100 mile an hour fastballs with 90 mile an hour sliders and and how they're able to make it look so easy i mean gosh dang they're able to make it look like it's nothing they're able to make a 100 mile an hour fastball on a swing look like they're facing 85 and how are they doing that um and i think there's a lot less back to front now than there there used to be um in terms of momentum and, and movement and weight transfer and whatever you want to call it and so you know the back hip engage and 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 the move forward and how little or big it is and and uh all that stuff is is pretty exciting and it's really just i just think it's i mean i'm never going to get bored in this whole deal because gosh you get you get new kids to work with every year and and it's so fun to work with different individuals because nobody's ever the same and nobody ever needs the same thing yeah that's that's what i would say so you talked about your 10 things that you that you guys try and 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 help kids develop in their swings can you take us through your process of what you look for in a swing say you have x player that shows up one day and you you've seen him swing a little bit but you're really trying to break mm-hmm. it down what are you looking for yeah i mean the, the number one the number one thing is is there adjustability like is there opportunity to adjust and because if the answer is no we've really got to change some things because there has to be ability to adjust on the fly there can't like i said before there can't be i'm stuck in one timing or one rhythm and i'm only on time to one pitch there's got to be adjustability. And so that's the number one thing. I look for adjustability. How are you moving? If you are fooled, is there something? We try to teach our guys this. There's a press through. There's a settle or a sink. Um, there's different moves that big league hitters make that we look at on video. And is there something in your swing that's going to give you the opportunity to be fooled and still hit the ball well? If if there is, then that's, that's what we need. Uh, we need guys that can be completely fooled, but make the right adjustment on the fly. Gosh, I have all these videos. I have, I have about 4,000 hitting videos on my, on my computer, on my, on my passport. And, and when I look at all of them, you just, you watch some of these adjustments on the fly and you go, Oh my goodness. (laughs) You know, so a lot of what I do when we watch film with guys is we'll go, Hey, I'll I'll say to them, we'll watch a a film from the side view and I'll go, what was the pitch? And they'll be like, what do you mean? I go, tell me what the pitch was. I know you can't see it, but what was the pitch? And it's really cool for our hitters. What we're trying to do is identify what the pitch was without seeing the pitch based off of seeing the hitter. And you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really cool. It's a really cool thing we do here of guys come into my office and, and we sit here and we look at my computer and uh, what was the pitch? That was a fastball coach. That was definitely a fastball because look at the adjustment he had to make to get to it. It was probably a firm guy throwing or that was, you know, that had to be a change up because he made a press through adjustment to get through that ball or whatever it is. And our guys start to identify it. So yeah, number one thing looking in the swing is, is there adjustability? And then the, the other thing is path. I mean, it, it, path is just, I mean, as you get older and older and older, the path, you just, you can't get away with bad path. You just can't, you, you can't get away with it. 
you have to be able to be tight in the turn. You've got to be able to let the barrel fall on a plane and turn through plane. And, and you have to have length on plane afterwards. You know, independent elbows, independent elbows have to get you on plane. And then shoulders have to help you exit plane. They have to. And if they don't, that's something we really got to take a look at too. If you have path and adjustability, you're going to have success. We, we can work with all the other stuff, you know, sequence of kinetic chain and all that stuff just to add a little bit of force. But gosh dang, those have got to be of the most important things that you see. So what was something that you once thought was true in a swing or just you once thought was true in general, but you've recently changed your mind about? Gosh, th- th- I'll tell you what, this list could, I could write a novel on this probably. <laughs> Didn't we all? <laughs> I look at, uh, I look at some of the stuff I used to teach and it makes me want to puke, to be honest. Uh, uh, I, uh, you know, this is what it is, is I think that every single day you're learning in this whole thing. I'll never claim to be an expert, literally never. The moment I do, I want somebody to slap me and say, knock it off, Cody. You're not, you don't need to be acting like that. I, I just love, I just love this whole thing. I love hitting. I love watching hitting. I would say that something I used to teach that I really don't like anymore is I, I used to load to a flatter barrel. So I, or I don't, I used to build, I, I hate using the word load, but I used to build into a barrel that was more parallel to the ground. And I've completely gone away from that. I basically build with a, I like building with a weightless barrel. So, you know, when you hold the barrel straight up and down, it feels a lot lighter. And when you start to tilt it down towards the ground, it feels a lot heavier. And then just the effect on path that it has. I like the barrel a lot more up and down. I think if you guys notice, you know, Kurt Nelson did such a good job last offseason with Michael Conforto of if you see what he's done of he used to load to a pretty flat barrel, just like Carlos Gonzalez does. I don't know how Gonzalez gets away with it, by the way. He's amazing. His body's like elastic. I don't know how the heck he gets to pitches with where he takes a barrel. He like wraps it around his neck. But Michael made an adjustment last, last offseason to take the barrel and just have it straight up and down and and be able to stride away from it is is something that I've really come to like. And you have to know who you are because for anything I'm saying right now, you could point out a Carlos Gonzalez in the big leagues and you could say, well, Cody, he doesn't do that. And you're right. Um, and so, but I do, I, I like the weightless barrel. I like the higher barrel. I think higher is, is going to be better than lower. And I used to say the opposite. I used to say to guys, Hey, the lower the barrel when you load is, is going to be better if it, than if it's high. I used to think they would dump the barrel or lose the barrel if it was too high, sure. but they don't. It's, it's more natural and path. Um, and then the other thing I, I used to teach, this was a while ago, but can't believe I used to do this. I used to teach like pushing your hands back like taking them and, and actually physically with your arms moving back. Oh my goodness. I can't believe I did that. That just, I mean, I sit there and I go, what in the world? And so now what I've come to is, you know, you, you take your hands in, in your engage of the back hip, you move your hands back a little bit, but then you, the stride is what separates the hands, not the hands. The hands don't work independently. The only time that your hands work independently is if they can manipulate the barrel late, late for a really late adjustment. Other than that, your hands are going for a ride uh, based off of what your body's doing. I, I really don't like hands. I used to talk about hands all the time, and I don't ever anymore. I don't want guys thinking about their hands. Um, I want their hands to be a product of the right swing uh, in terms of what the middle of your body is doing, the big muscles in your body. Um, what is that? What are those doing? I think the further you get out in limbs of your body, the less important they are to the swing in terms of feet and hands. And, you know, the, the closer you come into the middle of your body, the more important those parts of the body are for the swing. So I used to actually have guys like 
take their hands and push them back and uh, independently to separate. And I used to think about, you know, a separation as a hands thing. It's not a hands thing. Separation happens in sequence. Um, you know, the stretch that you create is part of the stride. So, you know, for us, we like to feel like we, we engage our back hip and then in our stride or our forward move, our hands become disconnected and stay where they're at while the rest of the body goes forward or, or makes a slight forward move. We believe in that here. That's something I didn't, I didn't talk about at all before. Um, so that's a big deal. I mean, I feel sorry if, if there's any of those kids out there that I coached back in the day listening. I'm sorry. Because, <laughs> but I've learned a lot since then. Well, that's good. So being a coach from, or a college coach from several different parts of the country, what's yeah. something that you wish that kids coming into your program or programs knew how to do so you wouldn't have to teach it? And let me set this up by saying I'm a high school coach and uh, there's a lot of listeners who are high school coaches as well. What's something that we can teach our kids so that you don't have to? Trust the process. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of people lately that are like crushing on the whole process thing. I, I love it. I believe in it. I think the biggest thing for kids is to be mentally tough to understand the process uh, of what it takes to get where you're going. The, the one thing I would say is, is really just helping kids out with understanding, hey, there are things in this whole deal where I have to go backwards to go forwards. Um, and being mentally strong enough to handle that is a big, big deal. Being mentally capable of struggling to get better uh, is important when you're making an adjustment. And so it's all about mental toughness, really. You know, gosh, if if there was one thing that I could just make sure everybody came in here with, it would be mental toughness um, because you're just going to fail more than you succeed in this game. And so as coaches, we have to do a good job of, of helping, you know, helping mental toughness and and making sure that we're talking to guys and communicating with them. And so it's, it's, it's one of those ones. I think there's a lot of kids in high school that are, that are told they're, they're so good and, and that are told, Hey, you're, 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 you're doing everything right and blah, blah, blah. And then they get here and, and they experience failure for the first time. And that's something I wish it wasn't for the first time. I mean, shoot, uh, I wish that they had already had to overcome failure. And that's not, I mean, shoot, that's not the case for a lot of division one athletes, but being able to, uh, influence kids positively during failure. Being able to work with a guy and say, Hey, I know that you're frustrated, but you just got to keep going. You know, I think that a lot of kids need so much feedback nowadays of, Hey, just keep, keep plugging away at this thing, man. Keep plugging away at this thing. And then the other thing I would say is be able to think for yourself, be able to figure it out on your own. I, I get, you know, a lot of our young guys and just a lot of young guys in general, it's almost as if they're looking for you to tell them how to do it. And listen, man, when you're in the batter's box against Texas this year, I'm not going to be able to tell you what to do. <laughs> I'm going to be in the dugout watching you, hoping you have an idea. And so letting kids figure it out is so important. This is something that I struggled with so much as a young coach of keeping your mouth shut and letting them figure it out on their own. Because if a kid figures it out on his own, that is so much better for his learning curve and his experience than you telling him all the time. And so definitely of the most important things, helping kids, you know, creating an environment where kids figure it out, where kids feel comfortable with thinking for themselves and not always needing your feedback and then creating an environment where mental toughness is, is developed. So can you give us your best three resources and books for us to look up and learn from? Yeah, I'll tell you what. The best book of all time is Fearless. 
It's it's written by a Navy SEAL. Uh, it's, it's I think it's Adam Brown. I, gosh, I can't remember um, his name, but it's called Fearless. It's freaking awesome, man. It's funny because I I end up liking books. I, I I read a book once by Winston Churchill, and I thought it was really cool, and I learned a lot from it. But you know, I would say that that check out the Fearless book. It's it's one of those ones. I I had a junior college kid that I coached that went and uh, played at Oregon State and came back and goes coach uh, coach Casey uh, at Oregon State is having us read this book fearless you should check it out and I checked it out and it's just awesome um, that's one and then mind gym uh, by Gary Mack mind gym is something I read in high school um, it's an easy read it's like 112 pages but by Gary Mack and it's it's about kind of mental training uh, I think that every single high school athlete in the country should be required to read it because it's just so cool Gary Mack is, is, is an awesome, you know, basically sports psychologist, but mental guru for the game. And, um, and, and he, he uses a lot of experiences with, with baseball players and, and talks about a lot of stories and, and gives you basically an ability to create a mental gym in your mind that you can use. I actually, for my senior research project in college, I created a mental training program, mentality training program. Um, it was really based off of a lot of the stuff that I learned from him. And then I would say, shoot, the next, I'll, I'll go with a resource, Dustin Lin's Google Drive. Um, I think I've downloaded every single video off that thing ever. Uh, and so, uh, I get on Dustin's Google Drive and I look for updates and obviously Craig Hyatt is, is unbelievable. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to call Dustin and Craig friends. Uh, we're part of the Northwest Mafia, being from the Pacific Northwest, all of us. So those are, those are good dudes there that, that gosh, I mean, if, if you're not watching video on what you're teaching, if you're not watching what the best people in the world are doing at the skill you're teaching, I just think that I think you're not doing everything you can, right? I mean, you know, and I don't say that as a knock on people that, that aren't, but I mean, gosh, I'm a, I'm a hitting coach at a division one program. If I'm not watching, what the best big leaguers in the world are doing, hitting, they're literally, they're literally the best at doing the skill I'm teaching. If I'm not watching them a lot, and if I'm not studying how they're doing what they're doing, can I honestly say to my guys that I'm doing everything I can for them? I can't. I can't. My information becomes tired and old. And that's something that Coach Matlock, our head coach here, is so big on of, he's always saying, hey guys, I want, you better make sure that you continue growing at what you teach. You better make sure of that. I, I will not deal with guys that aren't going out of their way to learn more about, you know, being a catching coach or to learn more about being a, being a hitting coach. I won't, I won't deal with it. You, I, I better see that you are making an effort to learn more because the game doesn't stay the same. The game continues changing as people get bigger and stronger and faster. Um, and you have to make adjustments and, and, and pitches become, you know, you know, hard sliders are, are all over Division One baseball now. How are guys hitting hard sliders in the big leagues and, and so on and so forth? So, yeah, shoot, I would say if, if anybody gets anything from this, go read Fearless, go read Mind Gym, and, and hit up Dustin Lin and, and Craig Hyatt. I, I hope that their their inbox gets full after this interview. Yeah, for sure. I have read Mind Gym, and that is it's a, it's a really good read, especially it's for, so awesome. Yeah, especially for athletes who don't have a whole lot of time to read. That's it is really good. Very. It's very easy to understand. Very easy to understand. That's what I like the most about it is I, I had our, when I was coaching Juco ball, I, I had our guys read it and it's super, super easy to understand. It makes sense and it's an easy read. Cody, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. So where can we find you online in case anybody wants to get in touch with you? 
Yeah, shoot. My my email is pretty simple. It's just cody.atkinson at utrgv.edu. Uh, and if you send me an email, I, I will get back to you. That's, that's one thing that we take pride in here. And, and then if you shoot, if you send me a message on Twitter, I, it's funny. I always, I always forget that Twitter has messages. So I like, it was funny last year. I remember all of a sudden being like, Oh yeah, there's this dot with all these notifications on the bottom. I touched it and gosh, I had messages from like four months before and <laughs> I responded to all of them. And I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I just, I forget that there's messages on this thing. Um, but, uh, you know, my Twitter's at coach Cody underscore. And if you send me messages on there, I'll, I'll get back to you. Obviously, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a recruit, that's, that's a sophomore or a freshman, I'm not allowed to, but anybody else, gosh, I should, I'll be able to get right back to you. That, that's one thing I, I learned about. Jim Schlossnagel at TCU that, that I really took to heart of, uh, someone told me, and this, this is, might be true, might not, but someone said, yeah, he takes pride in responding to every email. I said, what? Really? And they said, yeah, yeah, he, he, he wants to make sure that every email is responded to, even if it's, you know, just a quick response. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, all right, that dude's, that, that guy's of the best coaches in the entire country. His inbox has got to be so full. And that if that if that man who's that busy and he's running of the best programs in the country, if he can respond to every email, then I better not complain about showing up, you know, Monday morning and having 117 emails. You know, I, I need to get right back to him. So, yeah, if, if guys send me emails and, and want to know some stuff from me, that'd be awesome, man. I, like I said at the start of this whole thing, if, if one person listens to this and learns one thing that affects them in point zero 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 one percent, then the whole thing's worth it. Well, that's awesome, and I, I want to thank you again for being on. So, but is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Yeah, I mean, just for the coaches out there, just hey, just grow the game, man. Just just grow the game. You know, don't subtract from the game. Don't do that. That's just you know, and and maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I'm wrong, but don't argue with people. Just talk to people, man. Gosh, there's there's never a need for an argument in this whole deal. There's never a need for for saying somebody's you know this or that or whatever. Gosh, I. I once saw a kid that somebody post a video of a kid that has been really working on his swing a lot and, and, and was pretty proud of the kid for where he'd come from and what he had accomplished. And I saw somebody get on there and, and use the kid's video in like still photos just to crush the swing and tell the guy that he was doing a bad job. And I'm just like, gosh, you're talking about a kid, man. You're talking about a kid. Like that's a kid that is working hard on this game. You know I mean? That's just a big deal for me. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to get into an argument with somebody. It's, we just got to grow the game, man. That's it. Just, just grow the game. Just make the game better. Don't detract from the game. You know, don't, I just, I see these things where it's like the secret to hitting or, or where hitters are made. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second. Come on, man. Hitters make themselves. That's, they make themselves. We don't make them. They get in and they do the work and they have to stand in the box and get the hit. And, and we can help them. We can help them, but we don't make them, you know, gosh, dang, man. Just, I just, I don't know. My biggest thing, don't, don't have an ego, man. Just, just be a good dude and, and just try your best at this whole thing. And, and when people have, with, if people have different opinions on things than you do, oh, well, you know, that's all right. They're, they're entitled to that. It doesn't matter. I mean, that's, like I said, there's literally nothing that's universally right and there's nothing that's universally wrong. There's way too much gray area and everything. So just let, let people do what they're going to do. And, and if you have questions, gosh, having a, having a productive conversation is awesome for both parties, but 
Um, if things start to get like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about, or oh, he's just guessing, he's an idiot. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. I would love to get in contact with you to hear your thoughts on the podcast. There are two easy ways to do that. You can email me at jgellner7 at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at AOTC underscore podcast. Also, do you like to share ideas and have conversations with other baseball coaches? Just go to facebook.com and search Ahead of the Curve Coaches to join our group. It's free, so what have you got to lose? If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a rating so others can find the show. Thanks for listening and have a great week.